as I, <clears throat> one of the things that I just I'm becoming more and more aware of is um, the Holy Spirit's desire for us to connect to Him. Um, as we were singing, I was aware of this that it's the Holy Spirit who works in us. And it's actually scriptural. I think it's uh, uh, Philippians somewhere. It says, The Holy Spirit works in us to do according to the will of the Lord. Not not even that comes from us. (laughs) Not even our desire to be holy, or not even our desire, and we'll discuss this just now, but not even our desire to come close to God comes from us. It's Holy Spirit working in us to become more like Him and to become Christ-like and, and to cast down all these things. If, 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 if you find yourself having thoughts that I must not spend so much time on Facebook, it's not your good thought. It's Holy Spirit telling you that. It's Him telling you, hey man, this is not really my desire and plan for you. So this is what we're busy with. And, and I've, I've heard feedback from the small groups and things about how, how they've discussed things like Romans 8. And, and uh, we brought it into our men's group on Friday morning. And I'm excited that, that actually, you know, Romans 8 has made such an impact um, on, on just the way we think about things and the way we see things. And this morning when I read through it again, I realized that this morning we must sort of put on other glasses um, a new pair of glasses and, and not read it from our perspective but from his perspective. Because we are eager, even in the flesh, to do good <laughs> and to be good Christians and to, to, you know. But I want us to read this morning what he has done and what he has put in us and, and what what he, how he has changed us to enable us to do according to his pleasure to please him and I think for many Christians it's I'm gonna do this Christians the Holy Spirit is sort of optional it's like an add-on that you, you, you can decide and try and do Christianity. Oh, you are the best. Thanks, my friend. See that? The Holy Spirit told him. It stands in the Bible. It's the Lord who works in you to do good. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. Uh, so let's let's go. And I can't even for of you this leaning, but we didn't get through it last time. I want to just go back and I want to pick it up. And I could need my iPad with all these side notes and goodies that I make. It could bring anyone. Then I just want to speak from the heart. I just want to speak from sort of what the Lord is doing and not go through all my notes and all that. Um, I just want to go back to to verse five again of Romans eight. Uh, it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature 
So remember the word dominated by the sinful nature. Think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. And something I thought about this morning, and I, I, last week I read, I went to, um, to Galatians 5 and I read the whole list of the fleshly things like envy and, and lust and, and, you know, all those kind of things, murder and adulteress and, and all that kind of things. And, and we, we put that on the flesh and then we read the fruit of the Spirit and we put that on the Spirit. But this morning I realized something that you can even try and do the fruit of the Spirit in the flesh. Because we had a discussion this week that there are many unbelievers who do good. There are many unbelievers who produce something that looks like the fruit of the Spirit. Produce love. Produce kindness. Produce goodness. Even produce self-control. Produce gentleness. You know, all the fruits. But then we read something that's very scary. I hope I didn't skip it yet. Um, I'm going to read on and I'll get to that now. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Even when we do good in the flesh, it's hostile to God. Wow. Because in the flesh, when we do good, there is no other motive than self. There's no other motive than pleasing yourself. Look at all the companies around us today and everyone's going green and everyone's going like putting up big adverts and say that we are better at looking at the environment than that guy, so come buy from us. So we'll sell more products and eventually not be as good because we're having to produce more. <laughs> but they don't tell you that. Or these guys are doing this and this and this. Or we are better. We're looking after that people in that forest or, or whatever. And it's always about me. I went to a seminar one day. And the guy stood in front of us. A lot of believers. And he looked at us and he says, you don't know what love is. He says... I can bet you now that, that if, I, I'm, if I say to you that you don't love, that I'm right. And your flesh goes, what? How can you say that about me? How can you say I don't love? And then the test comes. And we need to sacrifice a little bit of time. Or a little bit of money. Or a little bit of comfort. We need to drive a little further. 
or we need to put away something that we've planned that's nice to help someone else. And we say we love. But let it not cost me anything. With the very definition of a love through Christ, the way God loves is sacrifice. And it's only through the Spirit that we can produce that kind of fruit. Because when we read about the flesh, we always think about bad things. Ne? And I'm just realizing that we can do good things in the flesh and it will not please God. That's very scary for me. Even the worship right now. I can worship my heart out. I can sing like I've never sung before. I can like, be prepared. I can do everything. But if it's not empowered by the Spirit in me, if it's not the Spirit in me crying out to God and lifting up the name of Jesus, saying, you are glorious, you are the only one that deserves all honor or praise, if it's not that, then it's from the flesh, and God cannot look upon it as worship. We need Holy Spirit to be able to love God and to be able to love one another. And I'm telling you, this week we've dealt with a lot of flesh manifesting amongst us. From Monday. So I said, you know, the enemy is getting worried, I believe, because we are reaching depths that we haven't reached before. And we are going to places. Remember that word that we got back there, that the Lord is taking away the roadmap and He's bringing us to new places, to new things. We are, we are going there. And so we're starting to see the flesh come out, trying to stop it in many ways. And every single time it was in the name of doing good that the flesh came out. And not just once, it was like four instances. Anyways. So for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of the sinful nature can never please God. There it is. If my flesh, if I try to yeah, here is so pivotal. This is the difference between an alive church and one that plays church. The one that mimics church. One that, that looks good. Nee? Is it Paulus wat gepraat of Petrus van die wit gepleisterde grafte? Jesus. Nog beter. Jesus. The difference is the Holy Spirit in you. It is not 
God has an immense problem with, with taught religion. A massive problem with it. And the only way to not have taught religion is to have Holy Spirit. To have Him in you. And well, Then He goes and He says, But you, but you who are standing in front of me, but you to who I write this letter, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Because he believes that everyone who's hearing this letter is a believer. Now there's something that's coming that I, that I want us to, to grasp. To grasp. <laughs> Present, future. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then he writes, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him. How does this work? Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night in John 3. And he says to Jesus, he recognizes this, you must be the son of God because you do all these wonders. Tell me if this is so, if you are the son of God. And Jesus sort of seemingly changes the subject, but, but he doesn't. <laughs> and he says, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Meaning that you cannot recognize the Son of God by signs and wonders and the things that people are saying. You can only recognize the Son of God when the Holy Spirit has quickened you and you are able to see the kingdom. Sorry, I feel a tremendous You can only recognize the Son of God when you are reborn. And I think it's there where he goes on to explain. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Therefore, if you have been born again, you have been born again by the Spirit of God, and therefore the Spirit of God is in you. Job, it's a memory verse I learned this week, which is like awesome. Like every time I quote it, I like feel. Job says, Job uh, 3 th- uh, 30, 33 4, I think says, the Spirit of God made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. And he's not even reborn. 
But he recognizes the Spirit of God. And Jesus says, if you have the Spirit of God in you, if you are reborn, you are reborn by the Spirit of God. Therefore, the Spirit of God is in you. And therefore, you know that you are saved. And we'll read later because it testifies about it in you. And the same is unfortunately true. That if you are not reborn, you cannot have the Spirit of God. You cannot play it, you cannot fake it, you cannot anything. That's why Paul later says that the Spirit is your down payment. It's your proof that you are an heir, that you are. And because the Spirit of Christ lives in you, say I, Father, say Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Oh. Yes, this powerful word. Excuse me, I scan you there, but see mense wat by die kerk is, maar wat nie hier sê. Wat al hier, wat hier rondgeloop het al vandag. Hou die kinders bezig. Hulle moet naar hier wees. Don't allow the enemy to distract you. We're in a very, very special and pivotal time right now. Don't allow the enemy to keep you away from receiving what you're supposed to receive. There will come many, many distractions in this following time. Daar gaan, daar gaan goed kom wat jou nie van by wie by die kaart wil heen nie. En ek het onlangs gehoor, daar gaan mense kom wat maak dat jy nie wil kaart kom nie. Het is nonsens. If Jesus had to stay away from church based on ons doen nie en later, we would be in trouble. Sorry, het was ander ding in my wat baie erg broe. Jesus Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Yes, ek moet net gauw hierdie stilstaan, en weet jylle verstaan het, en, en, en so, maar let's just capture that quickly. Ons het al baie die vers gekoot van 2 Korintheers 5:21, wat sê dat he who had no sin, hy wat perfect was, became sin, so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ. Nee? Ons het al baie die vers gekoot. That is the pivotal work of Jesus Christ, to make us righteous, so that Holy Spirit can come and live in you. He cannot live with sin. He cannot live with unrighteousness. He cannot, and that is why we have to be very, very careful in our lives. In We have to be very careful of grieving the Holy Spirit, chasing Him away, and quieting Him down, quenching the Holy Spirit through the way we live. Because Christ has made us righteous, He can now come and make His home in us. Maar wie van julle weet, jou kinders kan in jou huis bly, 
and you can send them to the room so that you don't hear them and don't see them. And the old dog. And the kids must hear and not be seen by the other side. I don't know what the other side is. And they must not be able to stay. No, but if you give your children free roam in the house, you say, come on, man, geniet jylle self and ek geniet jylle ook. They, they begin to blossom. They begin to come and tell you stories and come and just jump on you and when you're not expecting and stomp you up and but it's nice, it's joy, it's everything. And in the same way we can have the Holy Spirit live in us because that is His home. You were born from Him, you were born through Him, so you are you have the Spirit of God living in you. But Paul writes to Peter, to Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy, he says that, that in the house there are some utensils that are used for noble use, and then there are some utensils that are used for exclusive use. And he says, if you want to be a utensil that wants to, that's used of exclusive use, keep yourself holy. Not because it's a reward of you being holy, but Holy Spirit enjoys and has freedom and has rite of passage in a holy vessel. There's no junk and stuff that He needs to, to first sort out in your life and a lot of reasoning and things that He needs to sort out before He can use you as an, as an instrument. Therefore, the command is, even though He has made us righteous, even though He has swapped righteousness with us, the command is still, and even in, in Peter, He says, Be holy, for God is holy. Because if you want to be like Him, you have to decide to be like Him. You have to behavior yourself. <laughs> Strive. Oh, the word is beautiful. So the Spirit gives you life, life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I, I cannot understand how we cannot believe that we can be like Jesus. I can't understand the rationale that we can say that Jesus was Jesus, but I'm only human, so I can't be like that. Because the word clearly says that His Spirit, the same Spirit that was in Christ, lives in me. And He is not just in me, He lives in me. So He's moving, and He's working, and He's doing His thing inside of me. And then it goes on, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Now there are two things here 
one day we will let go of the earthly body. Our bodies will die. Everybody will die. And then when Christ comes, you will be resurrected into new life. Yes. But I also believe this says that Holy Spirit can work in you in such a way that it physically starts to animate you. That it physically, that He physically starts to, to cause you as you as you surrender and submit to Him, as you learn to, to be sensitive to His every flow and every voice and every unction, that later you will find yourself doing His will, not even trying to, <laughs> not even thinking about it. And for me, that is like the journey of sanctification. That's the journey of walking in step with the Spirit. In the beginning, this man, as ons kinders klein is, en ons gaan stap, hulle hou verskrikkelijk baie daarvan om soos, saam met jou in jou spore, nou die dag die stap ons, nou hoor ek net ietsie achter my, ek kyk so om, nou is Annabel, sy sê, wat, ek stap in jou spore, en is like, you know, so it's difficult for her to walk in step with me, because I'm big and she's small. But as she grows and as she matures, it becomes easier to walk in step with me. It becomes easier to, to walk as I walk and to, to look as I look. To follow the same path that I follow. And that's the maturity of faith. That Ephesians talks about something you quoted quite a few times this morning. Ephesians 4, 12, 11 and 12. He has gifted us with all of the fivefold ministry, the, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, the, the pastors, so that for the equipping of the saints, so that you may attain the fullness of the maturity, so that you may attain Christ-likeness. That's the goal. That's where we're going. That's where we're walking. And if you're not walking in that, if you're not walking towards that with church, then you're not going to church or being part of church for the right reason. If your goal of coming and communing and going to community and all that is not so that you can become more like Christ, you're doing it for the wrong reason. That's the only reason God gave us each other. That's the only reason that the moment you gave your life to Jesus, He doesn't wrap you up and say, okay, now you're good, come to heaven. Because we have to come to the maturity, the fullness. And we need each other. And above all, we need Holy Spirit cannot happen without Him. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die.
But if, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You know what the most important word in this whole thing is? If. If. Dorothy spoke very nicely and she said that we have been given a choice. Do you know what? That is the greatest gift. Apart from Holy Spirit, we have received the gift that we can choose between life and death. Unbelievers don't have a choice. They only have one life, and that is the life of destruction. They have no other choice. They are bound by sin and darkness. They are completely dominated. By sin and darkness, they have no choice. There's only one way to go. They gave that choice, that right to choose a way to Satan in the Garden of Eden. Now Christ comes. He makes us right with God. He gives us new life. He reestablishes our image. He reestablishes us as sons and daughters of God. He reestablishes our dominion. And with dominion comes a choice. You can choose. And that's why Paul says, if you allow your sinful nature to dominate you, it will lead to destruction. And if you allow Holy Spirit to control you, it will lead to life. If. And if comes many times every single day. I read to you last week, I think it was Numbers that says, I said before you, death and life. Blessings and curses. And then later he says, choose life. If. And maybe we should learn to discern the choices of life this way. See, what does Holy Spirit say about it? Even good choices. What does Holy Spirit say about it? Because if I reason and I choose what will be good for my flesh, it will lead to destruction. (laughs) And if I choose what will be good for the kingdom of God and for the Holy Spirit, it will lead to life. And the lead to says that there's a time in between. You're not immediately stepping into destruction the moment you choose wrong. Many times you find yourself in destruction one day and say, oh my goodness, where did this go wrong? I don't know, how could I get to this place? How could I get to this dark place? How could I get to this trouble? This financial trouble, this marital trouble, this relationship that is just beyond repair. How can I get to this? Go back to the if. Go back to where you chose life or death. And God is so gracious that when we repent, 
he restores. I don't know if you guys even noticed that I'm just thinking of this. I think it was when Jesus walked on, on, the, on, the, sea, on the sea and he came into the boat. So the, the, the disciples, I'm not saying that they were out of the will of God or anything like that, finding themselves there in the, in the storm. That the Bible doesn't say that Jesus told them to wait somewhere or anything like that. They just decided to go out. But one of the Gospels actually says that when Jesus got into the boat, immediately they found themselves on the other side. Immediately they found themselves at the destination they were supposed to be. And God, when we repent of sins, Ryan also said about healing, when we repent of our sins, Peter said, repent your sins to one another so that you may be healed. God can bring restoration. He can take years of walking down a path of destruction and He can restore it. Sometimes even in a moment. He can take a relationship that feels like it can never be repaired again. And with repentance, He can say, I restore. Other things, he will put you back on the path of restoration. And you might have to work hard. You might have to, have to make sacrifices. You might have to bit by bit take away the things that you have now almost accumulated in the path of destruction that is weighing you down. But God does and will restore. For if you live by the dictates of the flesh, you will die. But if you, through the power of the Spirit, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Yes. Who has ever experienced that God has told you to do something that you know is the right thing to do? My youth is moeilijk. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, for your eerlijkheid. Ons allemaal. Steek aan hoog. I've also experienced that when I made up my mind to be obedient, even to the most difficult thing, I've experienced an enabling power coming to me that helps me do the right thing, that helps me do the difficult thing, that is not humanly fathomable. Through the power of the Spirit, he allows you to follow himself. I think the Owens wat nie geloo nie het a super unfair deal gekry. I think the guys that, that are trying to follow God by religion, man, they got a raw deal. Because they are trying and trying and trying and not getting it right. And they're getting tired and they're getting burnt out and they getting despondent and then they leave God or they leave the church, they get angry and they say, nah, this is a lot of junk. But if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you testifying about the goodness of God, testifying about His righteousness, testifying about His power 
and you start living from that and in that you start finding yourself having victory over your flesh, having victory over sin, having victory over those things and you're not even trying. You just release yourself into Him. I've experienced this. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. All who are led, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God or children of God, sons and daughters of God. I don't think it's a. Uh, prerequisite I think it's much worse than that it cannot be any different you cannot what I'm trying to say is that being led by the spirit doesn't qualify you to be a son of God It is only natural and the only way that you can be a son of God is if you are full of the Spirit of God. Because that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Somewhere else I think it's Hebrews, he says, you have been born of incorruptible seed. The seed of God. Yes, ons moet daai bietjie net in ons pyp sit en rook. That's really the image I'm getting is let it fill you. Like when you smoke a pipe and it fills your lungs and fills everything about you. Jou kleere ryk aan na, jou haare ryk aan na, jou alles ryk na dit. Put this in your pipe and smoke it. That you are born of the seed of God. That is who you are. That is your identity. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. He's talking about religion. In religion, you are trying to please God. You are fearful of not making the cut. You are fearful that you're not doing good enough. You are fearful that you're not doing it right. He says, you have not received that. You do not have to work anymore to be a son of God. Being a son of God is not an achievement. Being a son of God is not an achievement. Yet, we go around judging others. That doesn't live up to our standards. You have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received 
God's spirit when he adopted you as your own, ach, as his own children. And the vertaling said it in a bit more, he said, you have received the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption is inside of you. What does the spirit of adoption do inside of you? He saw what it did. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he um, adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For the spirit joins with your spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Jesus says, I will send you the advocate. I will send you the one that will come alongside you, the paraclete, the parakletos. I will send it to you and he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. He will convict you of sin, righteousness and judgment. And then he goes on and explains, he says, he'll convict the world of sin. And he goes on and he says, he will convict you of... I think I'm going to talk he will convict you of righteousness. And he will convict of, um, of, of sin because the enemy has been... Come on, let's read it. Because I'm going to read it. A whole time to quote. Thank you, Paul. Now, let's read it. Wie can you say what Johannes 14 or 16 is? Iso, Iso, Johannes 16. <clears throat> but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Net so iets hier oor dit. Die woord, wat Peter vertaling sê, die, die comforter. Nee? En, ek sê nie, comforter is verkeerd nie, maar dit is eindelijk een bykie van een verkeerde vertaling. <laughs> um, want, the advocate is a better vertaling, but the word parakletos is literally the one that comes alongside you and fights with you and lifts you up and strengthens you. Well, you Yeah. Yeah. The comforter, Stand by. So parakletos is die prentjie van een wat langs jou inkom. Nee, kom gie. André, hier is parakletos. The one that walks with you and that helps you and that lifts you up and that strengthens you. Hoeveel van ons is bewust al van elke lieve dag dat wherever we go, the parakletos is like holding me and standing by me. When I go into a difficult situation, when I have to do make a difficult decision, when I do something, I don't have to look any further than Parakletos. He comes. If I need help, if I need wisdom, all I need to do is right alongside me. 
Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, sorry, this gives me a lekker hoenervlees. Oh, now I'm going to read it again. So the the advocate will come, um, and if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. In Anjanaid, I'm expanded and say the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available. Because I go to the Father. Oh. Though he was without sin, he became sin, so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts the world of sin because they need Jesus Christ. When they receive Jesus Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit because they are born of the Spirit. Then the Spirit comes and He lives inside of you and He convicts you of your righteousness. He convicts you of who you are. He comes and He tells you, this is what a son of God looks like. This is what a son of God acts like. This is what it looks like what Jesus would have done. What would Jesus do? We needed that because we weren't reborn. We needed a reminder on our wrist of something that the Holy Spirit is supposed to put inside of us. See, if the Holy Spirit is inside of me, He is shouting all the time, this is what Jesus would do. This is what Jesus would do. This is how Jesus would have dealt with this. This is how Jesus would have done this. I've seen you wrong Ek het heel nie een kloe gehad hier. Hoe sê weer? Ja. Ach, sorry julle. Ek het rarig nie. Ek toch is nog kwart voor elf. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come. Because the ruler of the world has already been judged. Judgment is for Satan. Righteousness are for the children of God. Conviction of sin are for the lost. So that they can be convicted of sin. So that they can believe in Christ. You have received the adoption of sons. For the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. Oh, daar is een uitbouwer. How many times have we heard that Christ suffered because so that I don't have to suffer. Christ was poor so that I can be rich. 
That's worldly glory. And Christ has nothing to do with it. Say it, no, no. He gives us all things. He blesses. He gives seed to the sower. Everything comes from Him. That is not why He gave His life. He gave His life so we can be heirs of the glory of God. What's the glory of God? Christ is the glory of God. Hebrews 1. For He is the exact image, the expression of God. He radiates, literally it says, the God's glory. Christ is our inheritance. Christ is our, what we are looking for to achieve. To be like Him. And if we are to receive His glory, if we are to be like Him, we have to suffer like Him. How do we suffer like Him? He says this very one thing. He says, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. We cannot live for ourselves and expect to receive the glory of God. He will leave you to receive worldly glory, which is fleeting. You're only as good as your last game. Or you can receive the glory of God. I deny myself. I do not live for myself anymore. I live for the glory of God. I live so that He can be made known. I live so that when I walk out of a room, people will say that we were touched by the glory of God. only possible through the Holy Spirit because He is the life of God He is the one that manifests the glory so this is the journey we are on, each one of us we're on the journey that says I do not live for myself why? Because you were bought with a price. And unfortunately, that is the Christian call. Unfortunately, that is the difference. That one day we will stand before him and he will say, either, well done, good and faithful servant, come into my fold. Or he will say, get away from me, you wicked and perverse nation. It's not about what we do. I can give food to the whole of the DRC. And not do it by the power of the Spirit. Not do it from His love. Not do it from what He has done. Not do it from His glory. 
it will be nothing to him. Ek is jammer. I'm sorry. But that is how I understand this truth. So we all have a long way to go. All of us have a long way to go. But I'm committed to my heart to go there. And if there's one thing that I want for us, I get it all by say that we will get there. <laughs> one day I want to stand before the Lord and I want you guys all to stand with me. Say, Lord, we followed you into the fire. We've denied ourselves. We followed you. Thank you for the privilege. Here's a crown for you, my son. No, no, Lord. Here's the crown. I lay it before your feet. Holy Spirit, we are very, very desperately in need of you to come and transform us, to change our hearts, to change our minds, to change the way we perceive Christianity, to change the way we perceive religion, to change the way we even perceive our lives and what we do with our lives. Would you please help us to not be so fleshly minded and reap destruction? Would you please come and empower us and fill us so that we will be spirit minded, that we will think what you think and Say yes to your lead and walk in fullness of life. For your glory, for your kingdom. We lay down our lives, Lord. Meaning that we do not need to see a good result for ourselves. We only want you to receive glory. Would you do that mighty work in us because the flesh cannot accept that. But you are crying this out. Give us the grace to live in that, Lord. Thank you for empowering us. Even when we feel that this load is too heavy to bear, that you have given us the life needed for this. We thank you for it.